Mirrors are freaky. Mirrors are freaky. Degree the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Check out all the latest FC Dallas, North Texas SC, and U.S. Men's National Team gear. And this week, grab the latest arrival, a Dallas Tornado jersey. White jersey, blue trim, the number 67 on the front. This is a classic. It's a banger. This is the latest in Soccer90's Dallas Tornado collection. Use the code THIRDDEGREE for 20% off for everything including the Dallas Tornado jersey. Some exclusions will apply, but uh, that Tornado jersey you can get on the discount, and it is sweet. Grab yourself one. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fans, and welcome to episode number 204 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, it is me, Peter, tagging along with, as described recently in the Discord, as the angry British dude, Dan Crook. What the fuck? Howdy, Dan. <laughs> wow, that wasn't overmodulated at all. <laughs> hey, I just uh, I just thought I'd fit the bill for a second. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's okay. That's kind of a. It's good to have a, a, a somebody have a pers- a, an opinion of you, right? A personality. Even, uh, yeah, you got a personality. If, if it's got to be the angry British dude, then so That's be it. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Is that you have a personality? Yeah. Oh, you've got a great personality. It's almost as good as your beard. I I think your beard is better than your personality, but not by much. I'll tell you that. Okay, very good. And it's your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, founder and editor of thirddegree.net for the last 2,700 years, mm. Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hi, Peter. I have to uh, tell you that the podcast and the website in general made a small sacrifice today because I found out on Monday that a member of the crew I was on this weekend tested positive for COVID. Mm. And so you think we're through these things, but if I was exposed on Saturday or Sunday, I chose to not go to FC Dallas training this morning <laughs> just oh. to be on the safe side. I felt like that would have been irresponsible on my behalf. I mean, granted, obviously I would have stood away from people, but at some point I would have talked to coach, you know, so look at you. Sorry, everybody. I chose to not go. So that's why there won't be a training report in today's thing. And maybe that's overly protective, but you know, we're talking about a bunch of professional people getting paid a whole lot of money. And I didn't think I should risk that. So hopefully I'll, I was negative. I did test myself. I am negative, but I will test myself again before this weekend when I'm going to go to Dallas cup and the game and stuff. So because buzz would never ask this of the pod listener, I will do it. Please immediately send all of your emails and tweets and direct messages to one Gina Miller, informing her of the fact that Buzz uh, no. stayed away from training because he was uh, being cautious and thoughtful about uh, being exposed to COVID, and he took one for the team, and you just wanted to let her know that to make sure that she was aware. <laughs> No, okay. that's, Thank that's you. not necessary. I just wanted when people it, were but, like, but, uh, 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 well, uh, I didn't have a training uh, report. Uh, I, stop, I stop, to, uh... stop, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's totally 100% uh, necessary. Don't okay. you agree, Dan? Absolutely. 
Okay, very good. <laughs> All right. Okay, we have a lot to discuss today. First off, uh, we will get into LAFC 2, FC Dallas 1. But really, the big story that came out of that game was in the hour preceding it, the uh, visual of the graphic missing one Mr. Sebastian Legette from not only the 11, but the st- from the 18 or whatever the number is you're allowed to take to games this day. Uh, and when asked, I believe it was the good Garrett Melcher who on Twitter announced that it was for quote-unquote personal reasons. And we all now know what that is about, don't we, Buzz? Yeah, I, I, I can't believe we're at this stage of FC Dallas dumb, you know, 27 years in. Dumb. Where, Emphasis dumb. Yeah, where... Um, you know, a player in the relationship with his pop star girlfriend has caused uh, an issue with team sheet. Um, you know, listen, people have personal issues from time to time, and there have probably have been cases, I'm sure, in the history of FC Dallas where personal things have gotten involved. I can think of several off the top of my head, in fact. Yep. But uh, not some that took place on a global media stage before (laughs) where TMZ, (laughs) CNN, E yeah. Where FC Dallas is mentioned in the context of whatever, you know, and and, and none of our business or my business really, other than how it affects the team sheet. uh, It's a weird place to be in, honestly, to see this play out on such a broad, I mean, imagine if you will, I think almost all of us in our lives at one time or another have had relationship difficulties of some kind or another. Imagine having had it play out in your life on such a global media state. I can't even imagine what that must be like. Well, okay, but that also comes with the territory of being both an international pop star and a dude who has uh, largely been unafraid of running around shirtless preening off his super hot body on the internet for the last several years. So that comes with that territory. It like, does. Right? So, yeah, yeah, but that territory is new for us to be, I mean, not that we're involved. Oh, it's just fans. For FC yeah. Dallas, and it's a new level of territory, I, I think. I don't... I don't remember anything close to this level of, of 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 nuttiness before in terms of media and 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 you know the well it's a modern social media world too so of course I would we didn't say, have such things yeah the man. only the only things that have come up that I think even got close to getting kind of like national attention was the Dan Quinn incident. Yeah. when he was Dan when he was GM of the club Fair. and and the Reggie Cannon incident. Close, yeah, close. Right? Yeah. Uh, those would be the only two. Dan, can you think of any other that would? Well, I'll throw in Jesse Gonzalez since you didn't mention uh, that one. Yeah, okay. I think Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Locally, anyway, probably. Yeah. But not this level. Again, turning to Dan Crook for his input <laughs> on this topic. Um, I'm trying to think real hard about this one. No. Uh, no, I think you've you've covered them. Okay. All right. So uh, it is a ridiculous situation. Uh, I I will report that um, in the hours before Sebastian released his Instagram statement, I had uh, this all collides with um, me toying around with chat GTP and mid journey. And I, uh, uh, Dan, I don't, I don't know if you saw it or not. Uh, but I actually had Chat GTP write a story about the fateful night Becky G fans stormed Toyota Stadium and burned it to the ground when they couldn't find Sebastian Legette because they wanted I, his head. I, I saw that was uh, that, that was pretty impressive. Now I get the Chat GPT part, 
but the um, but when you post the uh, the podcast special of how you actually did it, I'm really interested about the uh, AI image deal. And there's there's AI video ones now as well, which would be uh, yes. I didn't. You know, I I haven't toyed with it. Yeah, I haven't toyed with the AI video, but uh, uh, basically, without boring everybody with the technical jargon, it's just essentially typing in a bunch of prompts and the more detailed you get the better the photos you get and they do look like photorealistic news photos of angry latino latina women uh battling with security guards at toyota stadium and then there's an image of toyota stadium up in flames and it's pretty hilarious and then of course i felt really bad about that uh after sebastian legit posted his uh tale of uh, mental illness and struggling with things and getting into therapy and all of that stuff. And really what we should be spending our time on, Buzz, is the conversation about is how is this going to ultimately end up? While we worry about Sebastian, we want everything to work out for the lovely uh, couple. Uh, I think, you know, if we're all just being honest of our selfish FCD fandom, we just want to make sure that he's balling out on the field. Yeah, Coach says that he's training every day, with the, Sebastian is, with the team. Uh, and that he is available for selection and is capable of playing this weekend. Coach acknowledged what uh, Legette had said about mental health and such, you know, and, and that they're there to support him. So, you know, there's, there's a question, of course, between, you know, is he healthy and training with the team and says that he's ready to go, and then the coach actually picking him. So th that remains to be seen. Um, you know, th there's nothing on paper that keeps him out of the game this weekend. One of my disappointments of not being able to go to training today was to be able to see how he was carrying himself. So we're going to have to just kind of stay tuned. I, I know that there are some people, let's call it in the atmosphere of the team, not, not no one working with the team said anything to me, but I know there are people that are concerned whether he, how soon he'd be able to play, uh, that it might be a while. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that's what we were worried was that it could be a while. Uh, you know, it's it was comforting in a way to hear that, okay, he's well enough in terms of his mental state to be able to train and be ready and cleared to play. So that's, this is going to be a big, we'll see, you know, if anyone's day to day right now, it's Sebastian legit. So we'll, we'll, we'll find out this weekend, I guess what everybody else does, does whenever he is actually on the game day roster or not. And it's a home game. So there's no travel squad. So we can't look for that. We'll have to look and see if he's showing up at the stadium, ready to go. Well, uh, as a bonus treat for the end of the episode, I may decide to actually read, the, do the audio book version of the fateful April night, <laughs> uh, if you'd like, Buzz. Maybe we could save it and see how it goes with their relationship. <laughs> 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 before we burn things to the ground let's well, it's just a it's just an, uh, an ai generated story no, buzz it's enough. not yeah. true fair <laughs> enough. i mean it's not now yeah true yeah. okay yeah. uh dan do you have any uh thoughts or insight into this ridiculous drama um no i mean you're uh, the angry you're the angry british dude so come on no i just uh you know i i I, I hope, uh, you know, I saw some people talking about the, his talk of mental health was a kind of a deflection away from, from what he did. I, I hope it's not that. I hope if there really is a mental health aspect to it that he is seeking the help that he needs, that, you know, talking to someone is a wonderful thing to do. And ultimately, you know, that he gets back on the field and playing well. 
So I guess the, that's the perfect segue to talking about the uh, game late Saturday night in L.A. Uh, you know, to not have – I don't really know out of the three people that were missing from the starting 11, which was Sebastian, Paxton, Paul McCall, which we kind of thought was going to happen. And then the, the, real, the other surprise, um, uh, Martinez – is I would we say that Sebastian may have been the biggest miss of the three buzz? Well, I think so. I, I had predicted during the week that I thought Ibiaka would get the start because he's a little more athletic. It's his uh, former and, team and his former team. So I, that wasn't a big blow that Martinez was out. I didn't think because I, th- I would have thought they would have made the other choice anyway. And Paxton obviously could go because he was on the bench. Uh, Legette's the one that dismantled everything you're planning. You know, we, if you're missing one guy in the midfield, you can probably get away with an adaptation. But we're missing two guys. You've just dismantled your entire – this whole system is built around this double eight look. And you take both those guys out of there, and you're in trouble. Um, you know, they, they tried an adaptation that that may or may not have been a four four two or a four three two three one. I consider the fact it was two holding mids that it was a double pivot four two three one, but – um, you know, it meant you had to go with Facundo and Edwin together, which is not necessarily a great combo for progressive play. And this team is built around progressive play, that rapid forward movement passing combinations, you know, the quick ball movement. So that was a struggle. Um, I don't, however, think that those two guys missing, Legette or Paxton, caused the outage that was the first 15 minutes of the game. Boy, that was yeah. a miserable 15 minutes. It was brutal. And I don't think those two guys missing is why it's brutal. I think the brutality came from a uh, mental state of, you know, you're missing two good leaders on your team. So that hurts a little, but not, that's not enough for this. You know, you're at LAFC. Maybe that's it. I've never, you never won there. They're the defending champs. Maybe you're just not confident in yourselves. You know why it took them 15 minutes to sort of wake up and realize that maybe they, they can play with these guys is, is an interesting question. And the coach is going to probably address that. And he talked about that kind of thing. And again, it comes back to this, the, the word for the year, which is mentality. Um, you know, and it, th- that is a positive takeaway that they did wake up eventually and realize they could play with LA, you know, so that's, that's the, the positive takeaway, if you will, is that, that, that they did wake up for a while until they were down a man. All right. So, Dan, am I am I incorrect in saying that I have a perception that if I had one knock on Nico as a manager, his team seemed to have a consistency to them of starting coming out starting slow. I think that's totally fair to say. They've uh, if they don't score in the first ten minutes, they uh, you know kind of suck for the first half, really. Yeah. Buzz, do you have any idea why you think that is? I mean, you've been around so many of these teams and some of these, all of the managers, frankly. Yeah. What is, what makes, you know, what is it about how a guy runs a team that gets a a team ready to go from the, from the jump? Uh, I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, I think Nico's a relatively soft-spoken guy. He's not a big cheerleader. You know, Oscar was a big cheerleader. Right. So his teams often started hot, you know, and ready, uh, I think, and maybe even too ready and maybe burn out occasionally. Um, so this coach is a little bit more of a game plan and, you know, um, um, tactics kind of talker. Uh, from my experience, I'm not in the locker room pregame, but just from hearing what he's talking about, I have asked him about, you know, does he ever just absolutely rip the team a new one? And he said, yeah, sure. 
He said, but it depends on what he thinks is necessary in the given moment. Uh, and I don't think he's the one, as I say, to build, like I'd be a big build up pregame guy. I think he's because of his background, which is in these little more advanced professional leagues and not here, like coming through an American college system or something, or through a youth club here, you know, he doesn't really sometimes have this, this pregame raw, raw everybody up pep rally kind of vibe. He has a, you're a pro take care of your business kind of vibe. And maybe that can lead to you being a little flat. Maybe he does need to give a little pep talk rally occasionally. Um, or maybe he still just has a relatively young team and they don't necessarily have the complete self-belief yet until they get out there and find out that maybe they do have what it takes. So, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to pin down because none of us are in the locker room consistently with this coach enough to know, you know, whether it be halftime or pregame, either one, um, it's a complicated question, but I think I think that, that that's the answer is that he's more of a tactical analyzer. They give them all, the kid, the guys a whole lot of data and watch a lot of tape, you know, and sometimes it might be necessary to throw a couple trash cans around, maybe even in the pregame. So, I mean, to your point, Buzz, the team did feel like it got its act together 15, 20 minutes into the game. Things got a lot more even. Uh, uh, it felt like uh, there was a – I mean, it wasn't a total surprise, I don't think, when Dallas scored. It only was a surprise in how it was scored. Again, it was your center back duo of that particular game scoring, which, by the way, brings up this interesting stat. Dallas has scored seven goals this season in five games. 28% of those goals were assisted and scored by your center back duo, which is uh, two of the seven goals, which I don't, I don't know if we could have ever said that before yeah. in a Dallas season. That's not a criticism. It's just an interesting, uh, an interesting factoid. Yeah. And not like um, headers either. No. It's been with their feet, which is kind of weird, but particularly because neither one of the, uh, uh, the defense in general is not particularly great passers either. Nikosi's probably better than Ibiaga, but neither one of those guys is as good as Matt Hedges was. You know, so it's... it's and the first one was uh, uh, Tafari to, to Ibi, and the second one was uh, uh, Ibi to Tafari, right? Yeah, that's how those went. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really weird happenstance. Um, happenstance. Um, what I would say about it, I think, is that uh, Nico's a big fan of overloads. And so when, when you do get these plays, that when the center backs are up you know, for set plays and things go sideways, which is kind of what some of these have been and, and some of them not, but he is big on getting those guys into good positions and overloading positions. So that can happen both in the run of play and on set pieces. And this seems a lot better at set pieces than they have been in the past. Just – you know, Velasco can take some good ones. You know, we've seen some effective corners. We've seen some different kinds of plays happening. And, and um, you know, th those can be byproducts of, weirdly, center backs going up rather than outside backs going up. This coach doesn't send outside backs up like everybody else does. He tends to more occasionally sneak those center backs up, and that's kind of catching people off guard maybe. Dan, did you have uh, any other thoughts about a particular player performances or anything about the LAFC game you wanted to get into? Um, there was a solid contribution to when playing it out of the back goes wrong. Really, uh, that you know the world of football uh, will will certainly be thankful for that. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, the uh, that that second goal. How do you get nutmegged from uh, pretty much on the touchline? Yeah, Ibby, in his return back to his last team, did not uh, shower himself in glory, and it and it 
does continue to raise the question if Dallas is still in the need for another center back, or does it buzz? Am I yeah. just panicking? No, they do. Yeah, no question. It's not really a debate. It's true. Okay. Yep. So if you so, had to uh, start two, it's Tafari and Martinez? No, it's Tafari and whichever one makes more sense for the tactics. I think Martinez has just as many deficiencies as Debiaga. You know, you try and cover up uh, through matchups those deficiencies. You know, you try and use the guy that makes the most sense. You know, it, Martinez is, is, is better at playing out of the back than Ibiaga, but not remarkably so. Martinez is a little bit better at game reading than Ibiaga. Ibiaga's got more recovery pace and more uh, ups and more physicality. So it just depends on what the matchup calls for that you're going to see whichever one start with Tafari. You know, it's, it's going to be that way until they can figure out how to process in a center back. Uh, I still think that's going to be the number one thing they're going to go for. You know, the, 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 the defense is doing a decent enough job this year. Uh, the turnovers are what's killing them. It's the inability to play out of the back. So a high press, which LAFC did, and then the other bugaboo is these mid to low blocks. LAFC did not do that part. So Dallas was able to play a little bit through the midfield, except, of course, they didn't really have a midfield because they didn't have their guys. So a team that does both those things is real problems. If they do one or the other, it's a problem. So as long as they keep having these two big issues, they're, they're not going to be competing at the top of the league. And a center back that can pass is going to be a big part of solving one of those uh, issues, the, the high press tr- troubles, and because the loss of Matt Hedges is bigger in this specific area than in any other area. He's a really good passer. So, All right. Uh, you can edit this out if you've already uh, said this or, or explained this. Why was Martinez not in the 18? He hurt his knee. And do we have any idea how long that's out he's out for? No, they have not said. So it, they just the only reason it was I, we know that is because it was mentioned by um, Melser or in one of the articles. I can't remember which one. Oh, Probably okay. Melser. So your right. backup center back is the uh, kid that was playing in Croatia from Arlington, the Corka kid, right? Yeah, but only because Nolan is um, was was with the U.S. U19s. Otherwise, I think it would have been Nolan. Okay. Yeah, you know whether they would put in course or not. You know, it's entirely possible that if they were actually missing a guy and needed another center back, they would have done something else emergency. I don't know that they would have said, "Oh yeah, put Corsa in." That's the answer. You know. That guy's getting better, and he's showing in training. But there's a reason why he's like fifth and starting for North Texas. You know, it's it's not necessarily the best answer. Like game five, game five, the answer might have been Facundo at center back or something. You know, I mean, who knows? All right, the uh, other big talking point of the game, obviously, is the red card in the 35th minute. And I've and I'm uh, I'm like everybody else in this deal, highly frustrated over this. Um, uh, I think for the obvious reason is this, uh, this feels like the perfect example of VAR intervening unnecessarily and giving a referee too many slow motion, repeated looks of an incident, freeze frame it, slow mo it, Zapruder it to death, and then eventually he just talks himself into, okay, yeah, it's a red. When he was perfectly positioned and looking right at it in real time, and his all of his probably 15, 20 years of training had told him, oh, that's a yellow card. 
and and I and I'm really really frustrated by that. Uh, and then we found out today too, Amasi also got a fine for not leaving quick enough. Um, I don't know. I'm just I, it it really messed up the game, and I don't like to complain about referees and stuff. But this is the one element of the addition of VAR that drives me maybe the most batty uh, is is this specific type of incident. Yeah, I, I I think this is the one. This is the one sort of big downside of the VAR that you're gonna have to live with if you like the rest of it. Is the over analyzing and slow mo of things like this. This is, by the way, why they usually replay them in full speed. You know, like if you watch the little monitor, they roll them back and forth real time, not usually really slow, because things always look worse in slow mo. But they didn't know. hear. I mean, they played it for him. I, I swear I counted uh, 10, 11 times. They replayed it, slow-moed it, and freezed it on a specific frame for the well, guy. Well, was that the Apple TV or was that the VAR? Yeah, that's Apple TV. Well, I, I assume that Apple TV, the production, no. is showing whatever no. the, what they're showing him. No. Ah, okay. Because no, it's in that frame-up of the two. It's the image of him standing looking at the monitor, and you can kind of see what he's looking at, and it's the, bo- it's the box on the left. Yeah, well, and, and if if they've done that correctly, that's true. But um, Fox doesn't. Uh, Fox, Apple doesn't necessarily show the replays they're showing are not necessarily the ones that VAR is showing. VAR has its own recorders and its own playback. Now, the double box thing, or triple box, or whatever it was, that's supposed to be the feed that he's looking at. So whether he said ten or eleven or just one or two, I don't. I don't know. I don't remember it that specifically. I'd have to go look at it, but. You know, like if you're watching a full screen Apple TV and they're just showing replays full screen, that's just them in the truck showing replays. It's that's not far. Well, I may be conflating uh, their replays and the VAR replays into the number, but I will I will I will attest that watching him in the double box replay uh, watch the video, his body language changes as he goes and keeps seeing it. I'm I'm convinced he talked himself into it. Oh no, I agree with that part. I'm just yeah. saying that like the like when the foul first happens and then you see five slow mo replays of the elbow going in, that's just Apple TV. That's not. Oh, okay, all right. So that. I will say, I mean, they uh, Pro releases that um, review of the week thing, whatever it is, on Fridays, and and they've actually uh, they've moved it out to their they've moved it to their website now. They don't post the direct YouTube link anymore. Uh, but I watched last week's for the uh, the pass incident, uh, the uh, penalty that was called back for offside, and uh, on that one they didn't even show a clip; they just showed a straight freeze frame. Now that was for offside, so I don't know if there's a different, you know, if maybe that's why. But they they were certainly it wasn't just a case of here's the clip, watch it. Hmm. Well, uh, so we won't see the one for this until later this week. I think it's Friday. Okay. All right. Well, it's unfortunate. It screwed up the game. But I do want to turn to the person, uh, Buzz, that I thought had, again, I haven't looked at the numbers or the stats, but by the uh, the old school eyeball test, I thought Edwin Cerillo was outstanding in this game. Yeah, I joked in the breakdown that I continued my Edwin Cerillo glory campaign, <laughs> something like that, I said, because I felt like the same thing. I felt like he was really good. And I do have a few numbers for you. So he was at number 91% passing, which was tied for first for Dallas. 69 touches, which was first. 53 passes, tied for first. 11 duels, tied for second. 35 carries, first. Three progressive carries, first. And six recoveries, which was third. So he actually had a couple fouls, a couple of tackles. That's for you. I put that in there right there. That's, so. <laughs> hey, thanks, um, Edwin. Yeah. 
He's uh, been listening to the pod, clearly. I, I could do a whole thing about that that kerfunkle last week about the, the tackles because I immediately had like 18 people quote stats at me and that's they didn't hear listen to what I said at all. But uh, I thought Edmund was terrific um, in this game again. So, I, you know, I, granted, remember, everything's in context. I, and when I always say Edmund's doing terrific and he's doing really well, I don't mean he's going to be an all-star. I'm just saying that, like, his progression continues. And for a young guy coming out of the academy who does not have the big, massive European superstar upside that some of these other kids that come out and do, do he's continuing to pro- make pro- progress every year. And right now he's keeping in – other than this this weird game because of Lejad and Paxton, Edwin's keeping Facundo out of the lineup, and he's doing it for like a quarter of the amount of money. So, guys, kids playing really well. I really like where his head's at. I like the progress he's making. I like the direction he's heading in. I'm pretty confident he's going to be a pretty good MLS player over his career. So, Yeah, he had a moment where he uh, got a ball and beat a couple of uh, people out on wide on the left, and he carried the ball way down the field. He just looked – it was like – a whole different element to his game. I just had never, I don't recall him seeing, I don't recall seeing him put out before. Um, I don't know if you remember the p- specific moment I'm thinking of, but a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, he took on a couple people, he beat them, he, he raced down the line. It didn't turn into anything, but it was yeah. just like, wow, look at Edwin carry. That's like, that's almost Paxton Pomacall esque. <laughs> it was uh, pretty, pretty impressive. All right. Well, any other performances from the game that you want to uh, get into? Well, I just want to mention that Edwin is not a hard ass. Edwin is a nice young man and he is he does take a little bit of kid gloves right if you if you get on him and are really negative um if he's feeling down on himself he doesn't play well he plays much better when he's confident when he's feeling good you remember when he came out of the u20 world cup and he had a bad world cup and he was really terrible for a couple months after that yeah you know he gets in kind of these funks and so when he's playing confidently and the coach is telling him he's playing well and everybody else is telling him he's playing really well it tends to reinforce that and build on that and so he's that's why you're seeing him do things that he doesn't usually do is because of that. And then the other performance I wanted to bring up was Nikosi Tafari. Beyond the goal, I just thought he was – I just want to reinforce how outstanding he was. I, I think he's just having an absolutely amazing year. And I, I asked Coach about him specifically today on the conference call. Um, and Coach said that a lot of it just is because Nikosi sort of made an adjustment last year in the sense of um, mental state and training in his life and sort of just really being coming fo- totally dedicated and focused on being one of the best – center backs in this team. And coach said that he thinks that Nikosi's capable of being one of the best center backs in the league. And he's got a ways to go on that, but he thinks that he has the potential in him and he's really played him up in terms of where he is in his state of mind this year and how much that matters from, from the gradual progression since uh, coach got here and where the guy is now. Uh, and it's just, it's great to see a guy finally come good on what we've thought was his talent, whether who, no matter who it is, when that happens, it's really exciting. It's fun. Is there anybody else listening to this pod or the either of you that are equally as distracted as I am uh, when you realized what uh, Tafari is doing is wearing a bullring nose piercing in a professional yeah. soccer match? I did last week and I noticed it. I was like, is he wearing it? Is he having it taped up? I was like, that seems really <laughs> annoying because he kept fiddling with it that first I game. Know. I was like, it's got to be annoying. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's big enough hole that it's safer to play with it taped up than to take it out. So, yeah, I, I can totally believe that. I just would find it really distracting trying to play yeah. with that thing. Well, I would just be yeah. worried about somebody's hair or finger or hand getting caught in it and pulling it out. I guess that's why they tape it up, I guess. I don't and know. then, of course, his partner also has sizable, uh, you know, I guess, gauge earrings in or something going on mm-hmm. because Ibby has giant pieces of tape over the bottom of both of his earlobes. 
Yeah, I'm not a piercing guy, so I, I, well, I'm not I don't either. Have I any just empathy for him, but yeah, I, I just find it weird that guys yeah. are wearing piercings, and when I just was worried that that, that something's going to happen, we're going to get. I, it. I never understood Valderrama when his like 50 necklaces, uh, wrist brands yeah. and bracelets. And I was like, how is that allowed? Someone didn't get their fingers in that and break a finger or something. It's like because it was Valderrama. It was Valderrama. Yeah, special rules for Valderrama. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't exactly running. You were more <laughs> likely to get hurt by his hair than anything he was wearing around his Shit, neck. <laughs> I mean, Valderrama Alvarez. That's the all-time hair midfield. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah 610 combo. Just ridiculous. Kids listening to the pod, look it <laughs> yeah. up. Uh, the Colombian national team, circa like oh. 1986, 1987, 90, uh, 98, somewhere in there. The all hair team. No, no one time. will ever convince me that if Rene Higuita doesn't get suspended, that they don't win the World Cup. Oh, that, fair. that changes everything if he's not suspended. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so, oh, tangent. Yes, we went <laughs> so off we on a tangent. Off, yeah. yes. Still talking about the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, sorry. Oh, sorry. Angry British man. We got away from uh-huh. the, the footy. Uh, all right. Well, let's Dan. Let's get into that because I will say, if there was a bright side to the Emma Red card, meant that Hadier Obreon got taken off the field, and that's that, that was in- nice. Because the only thing that he did in the game, positive or negative, was stand in an offside position for that disallowed goal. Yeah, yeah. for Castillo's banger. He yeah. Was, well, yeah. I mean, it was an easily saveable shot if he wasn't blocking the keeper's view, let's be honest. Yeah, I thought the offside call was legit and fair, and it was Obreon just, you know, in the wrong place at the wrong time, which seems to happen a lot. Buzz, I, I do, yeah. as this season goes along, I do worry that we're going to we're gonna look back after the season is over and we're going to say, you know, them not getting a better option other than Hadir Obreon to play out on the wing is somehow going to end up being one of those things that bites yeah. them in the ass in the long run. Well, what I would say about that is that, I mean, it's not like the coach doesn't see that the guy's not playing well, and yet he's still going with him and not going with Camungo. I mean, Tree Scott's hurt. Obviously, maybe that was a factor, but... Um, you know, whatever the other options are, they obviously don't feel they're more appealing. There's a definitely, uh, it's not, it's a lot of this because of him, but all, a lot of it also is because of his teammates. Because he played 40 minutes and he had nine touches. So it's like someone, you're not passing on the ball, obviously. And by, just by comparison, Giovanni Jesus, who came in for him, he played uh, 49 minutes, so a couple more minutes. But he had 32 touches. And that's like triple, right? So... <laughs> It's not just Obreon. It's like he's, he's people aren't passing on the ball either. Those things, two things, are probably compounding each other. It's there's just a massive, massive disconnect between Obreon and the team. I'm sure some of it's his creation, you know, but some of it also. I think you get to talk to the coaches about why is it so bad, but it's definitely there. It's definitely not just that he's not playing well, you know. That can certainly it reminds me of cases in the cat. I remember a case in the past, maybe three years ago, where Paxton one time picked the ball up in the middle and turned to the left wing and whoever was on left wing, he took one look at him 40 yards wide open and said, Nope. And turned back in the middle and dribbled into like a triple team, whoever it was. He's just it like, was, um, it was, um, uh, uh, good Lord. Yeah. It I was... don't want to bag on who that was. Cause I don't even remember honestly, but the point was like, sometimes it can be like that where guys are just like, I'm just not passing it to that guy. There've been cases like that too in the past. There've been times on this team where dudes, the teams will just not pass to a guy cause they don't think he can do it. You know. Now it's driving me nuts. I can't think of that kid's name. I, I think know you he remember was the, the play. The Colombian kid that showed up, and then the next season he showed up, we couldn't – his face changed so much we couldn't figure out who oh, it was. Oh, Mascara. Mascara. Yeah. It was yeah. Mascara. Yeah. 
Or wait, no. Was it the guy that hit the banger in the preseason and then never did anything ever again? Oh, I know who you mean. Uh, the, the name's dribbling out of my brain, but yeah. It might have been that guy, too. It was one of the two. It doesn't matter who it was. The point It was, was a that, left. It was one yeah. of the multitude of left-wingers that have come and gone yeah. out of this club in the last it 10 years. It was the one right after Mascara, I think. But the point is, is that there are times where people won't pass to somebody on the team because they know that the ball's not coming back out. Yeah. Well, that's partially on O'Brien. It's partially on the rest of the team, too. It's that it's not working. And it makes the team lopsided when he's in there. You know, so everyone's going to get their wish that Giovanni Jesus is going to start, and we'll see. How yeah. That goes. Well, it sucks to lose. I mean, look, LA is a tough place to go play. They're a good team. Uh, hell, they even got one of their international call ups to show up at the last second, an yeah. hour before game time, suit up, sub in, and bang the goal. Uh, which was, as to Dan's point, not a good showing for Mister Ibby. But no, I said it wasn't a good showing for Mister Paz. Oh, oh, I thought that was. I thought Paz got screwed up because Ibby tried to block the ball. I thought Paz probably had it. Well, it no, came because off of Ibby's knee, uh, didn't it? No, no, he never touched it. Oh. Paz just didn't react, and it went straight for his legs. Ah, okay. Well, yeah. maybe he was uh, uh, distracted by the idea that his girlfriend was coming back to Dallas after a month and a half out of gonna time. I going to actually bring that up, because somebody said on Discord earlier, oh, I hope that doesn't distract him, but, I mean, he shipped a pass that led to the first goal. He got nutmegged from 20 yards from an impossible angle and uh yeah okay yeah not like gave me. well you know i gotta admit if uh <laughs> she was my girlfriend i'd be distracted too and hey, she'd been out of town for six weeks you know, hopefully now she's in town hopefully i'll be back on the game that'll be great yes or extremely exhausted one of yeah, the that's two. fine he, he can be exhausted he doesn't have to run that's yeah, true it's true <laughs> it's true doesn't Please don't cheat on her. Um, uh, well, my takeaway of this whole game is that it comes back to the mentality. Once you go down a man, a lot of the value of the game is gone. But I will say that, relatively speaking, you're talking about one of the best teams in the league out there in L.A. Play Stiles has never won. They're the champs and whatever. You're down a man. You're down a goal. And the team rallied, right? They showed yeah. some toughness. They, they kept rel L.A. relatively quiet. They're, they're missing their, their entire midfield is missing. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not a good result by any means, but there are little signs that you can say, okay, this team's the top half of the table team. This is not terrible. This is not, you're the worst team in the league. You know what I mean? It's, it's not a burn the house down result. It's a shit happens and we move on result. Given how bad that first 15 minutes was, uh, do we yeah. say it was puke and rally? Yeah, sure. You, you could. could. Fair. That 15 minutes is horrible. Don't get me wrong. But like you didn't in the past, there's there's teams that from this club that would have had that first 15 minutes and given up the goal and been like that four one five one five nothing, you know, eight one of the galaxy. I'm just saying. Yeah, there is a there is a long list of MLS clubs that would have been in that exact same scenario and melted and lost that game by multiple goals. Um, and I had a note in there that I wrote at some point, probably late in the second half where I was like, you know, any fair minded neutral watched this game and went, you know what? Dallas actually, uh, it looks like if they had all their parts, they may have something going on there. Cause there are moments where uh, all throughout the season where the team's capable of putting together some really beautiful soccer. They don't always turn it into goals, but there's, there, there's a, uh, there's a, I think there's yeah. a diamond in there that just needs to be polished a little bit. I mean, more. they were down a man from 35 minutes and they had a legit shot to get out of there with a point. If pause yes. doesn't, and the pauses bailed them out many times so he can have one. That's fine. But you know, to, to be in it with the champs, I know it's early in the season, but 
you know, there, there's things here that can, can make you feel relatively good about the team. It's not a soul-crushing loss. Okay, so uh, coming up next is Portland. Buzz, uh, do you think Sebastian uh, plays in that game or starts? I guess probably Man, my first tough. question. Do you think he's going to start? Uh, I think if Paxson's back, I think that they will not start him. Really? Yeah, I don't know. This is a tough one. Um, I'd have to, I, you know, as a coach, I would want to talk to him. I want to see how he feels. You know, like if he, if he's, again, I'm a big believer in body language. If he seems like he's carrying himself negatively, you know, I, I might just say, you know, you can, you can, Paxson can handle it. You know, we'll, we'll put in Seeky or we'll, or maybe this is a game we'll start Jimenez or, you know, there were some components of that. That shape and coach talked in the on the press conference today. He talked about how with Velasco is the as the ten in that system because it's a four two three one specifically, not something they've used much before. He said the idea was Velasco and Jesus both play this false nine, false ten combo kind of thing, and so they could take turns sort of going at them. There's there's some qualities to that that are nice. You can go straight four four two and put in Jimenez. If Martinez is back, you could go three. So you have other options, and depending on and Portland's not playing really well. They're one, three, and one, right? So they're not super good. You know, they're not super athletic and vertical these days. You know, so maybe it's a good game for Martinez to get back if he's healthy. You know, you're at home. I think you could. You don't necessarily need to force Legette in there. You know, you're gonna have Giovanni. Hey, goodness, I can say his name correctly. Giovanni. 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 Jesus uh, in there. I'm sorry. I screwed you up when I started yeah. calling him Geo. I know. Jesus. Now I can't in the, just call him Jesus. Um, now the thing with him is, is that he's really good in the offensive third, but coming out of the back in training, I can tell you that he will occasionally make the wrong choice. He, he too often will just pass it right into the middle of the field, expecting there to be somebody there without looking because he's a young player still. So you're going to have to be ready for the, him to make a mistake or two. And, and I would, that would be a reason why I would bring back Martinez if he's healthy, because that shifts Nicosi to the right center back, and Nicosi has more recovery pace and could make up for an error better. So that's what I would do if it was my team and Martinez is healthy. That's a big question. And then I keep Eblin and I bring in Paxson. And then whether I go with Siki or whether I change the shapes or whatever is will be up for discussion. Paxson and Edwin is a better double pivot for me because one of them has more of an eight component to it. That's what that's the six, eight combo is what I like better in a double pivot. So I might look at that same formation again, perhaps, or, or a four, four, two with, with Jimenez, if he's ready to go 90. Yeah. That was one of the elements of the game that we did. I don't think we talked about was Velasco ended up playing kind of that 10 position. Yeah. Not bad. Right. That we talked about. I think we talked about that the previous pod, didn't we? Is that as an idea? Yeah. It's one of the options, of course, with him is in that, in there, we've seen it in training fairly often, you know, he wasn't terrible by any means. I, obviously, he was slightly uncomfortable, but he plays a false nine, false, false nine, excuse me, he plays a false swing all the time anyway. And you know how much he likes to drift around under those positions and they give him a lot of freedom. And that's why Farfan has to do so much work on that side. It actually, you know, in order to play that way, of course, you had to bring in Obreon, so which you don't like, but well, that's why this, you might go the other way. Well, what, what about this idea? What about leaving Ariel on the right and uh, Velasco on the left and putting... Jesus is the 10 and Jimenez up top. Can Jimenez yeah. start as the nine in this game? Yeah, you could definitely do that. Or you could stick with Facundo, Edwin, and Paxson in front of him. So Jimenez being able to start or not just is going to depend on his, whether a coach thinks he's match fit. Because, you know, he hasn't played since like, what did I say, late October, I think it was. Right. So like that was coach's biggest thing on Jimenez was that they're still trying to get him up to 90 minutes fitness. So th that's not, 
it doesn't happen overnight, but we're getting close. It's got to be close. It's been a you know a full month that he's been here now. So, um, Dan, you like any of those formations better, Dan? You know, I uh, couldn't leave that to you, Buzz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have to take it all, man. No, I was actually uh, I was too busy looking up Portland's injuries. Oh, we'll go ahead with Portland injuries then. Oh, no, we're talking about formations. All right. Uh, no, I was looking up. I was trying to figure out why Portland hasn't, you know, they won on the opening day and they've been crap ever since. And that opening day game was SKC. So they've been crap ever since last season, really. Uh, but then I just looked at the injuries and Felipe Mora's out. David Ayala's out. Sebastian Blanco's out. Tiga Cobas out. Yumi Chara's out. Christian Paredes is out. Evando's out. Uh, they just lost uh, David Bingham uh, last week to injury. Uh, he did his hamstring at the end of that game. So, uh, yeah, they've got a really great five-a-side team in the <laughs> training room. This is one of those games where if 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 it's if you're a fan of their team, this is how when Dallas fans feel when we go to Seattle or L.A. because it's like Dallas has beaten them eight straight home games here in Texas. They've only won here once ever. That Dallas has won like eleven, one or sorry, not lost in like eleven straight home games. Um, the Timbers have lost like three or four straight on the road. It's like all that stuff is piling up. It doesn't mean you can't, you don't, have, you still have to take care of business. You still have to get it done. You know, the, the ordinarily I would say the heat here is a problem for Portland. So hopefully it'll be relatively warm because uh, they're not going to be used to that at all coming out of Portland. I think rain is predicted for Saturday. Oh shit! They're used to that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bummer. That plays but, in their favor. Yeah, there's a lot of things that point to where da- this is a game that if you're Dallas and you think you're good, this is a game you should stomp Portland into the ground. This should not even be close. This but is uh, play hopefully it. not the same as the New York Red Bulls game when we all said the same thing. Yeah, yeah. hopefully the team's not listening or reading us kind of thing because it's yeah, true. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I was surprised to see this. I don't know why, but I didn't. For some reason, I thought Dallas had a better record than this against Portland. Dallas's record with Portland is 10 wins, 10 draws, and 11 losses. But Dallas is unbeaten in straight and eight in their last eight regular homes, regular season home matches against Portland. They've won six and drawn two. Yeah, this is a tough place for Portland to play. The last time sure. they won in Dallas in a regular season game was uh, October 2014, this says. Yeah, these are all reasons why, you know, it's not that big a deal if you don't bring Sebastian back for this game. Yeah. It's okay, you know, because you don't, you know, you, you should be able to control this game in your home field with, if as long as Paxton's back. If Paxton's not back, which he should be because he was on the bench last game, so he was technically clear to play. Remember, he's not hurt. You know, you might as well let Legit sit on the bench. You know, don't rush him back in there and cram him in there and put all this weight on him. You know, let him sit over there on the bench and bring him in late. Bring him in the last 10 minutes left. See how it goes, you know. Uh, update on the forecast. Saturday night, partly cloudy lows in the lower 50s. So there I, you go. No My rain. only thought about Legit is that, like, you know, his current thing is the mental state, right? That's what we're worried about. So it's like if he comes to you as a coach and he says, coach, I really feel like I need to be out there. I really need to play, you know, then I would be like, okay, you're in. But if, you know, if you feel like he's not looking confident, he's feeling like he's a little nervous, be like, you know what? We're, we got this one. You can sit on the bench next to me and we'll bring you in late in the game, you know. I guess it depends on what kind of person you are. I'm the, you know, me, 
I uh, I would think that's the type of activity you would want to do to get your mind off of the things that are bothering you. Yeah. Like you you like you don't think about it. Like it's a it's a time away from your troubles. Um, so I guess yeah, we'll find out. On, well, I guess oh, we'll find out on Saturday. It depends how kind of fragile it is because if someone's going to shit talk him, you know, they've oh got yeah ammo. that's a yeah that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, like yeah. if that spurs him on, and great, put him on the field. If that's going to distract him, maybe sit him. Yeah. Yeah. And and only the coach and Sebastian will know the answer, the right answer to this question. And and even coach might get it wrong. You know, you hope he gets it right. You know, it'll hope it'll depend on, I don't know Sebastian Legette anywhere near enough to be able to tell you what the choice would be. My gut instinct is that Sebastian Legette's a pretty confident guy, you know, and that you, he he would want to get right back out there. That's kind of how I feel. But at the same time, it's like maybe maybe you need to protect him from himself. You know, it's a tough call, man. It's just you'd think it's like that's ah, no big deal. If he's ready to go. He's ready to go. I mean, I don't know. This yeah. is a lot of tension, a lot of heat. All right. So the game is uh, seven thirty at Toyota Stadium. By the way, a kickoff is at seven thirty nine, and it is one of the uh, select Apple TV free games. So you don't have to have the MLS Season Pass subscription to watch the game on Apple TV uh, this particular Saturday. Uh, by the way, speaking of the legit thing, uh, further, just because uh, we all here at Third Degree strive for the deepest and most insightful reporting on topics important to you, the Good Pod listener, uh, there was a photograph released today by uh, the fiancé in question, Becky G. She's sitting in a, uh, I guess, like a dressing room, and she's posing and taking a photo of herself. And there was some back and forth as to whether or not she had a, if her ring was on her left hand, because there had also been a photo of her at the Angel City game uh, also over the weekend. She's also an investor in the uh, NWSL LAF Angel City team, where she was not wearing her ring, which was a part of this whole story and which kind of inflamed it um i just buzz i want you to know that i did some uh some investigation uh actually took a photo recreating the pose because i was confused by the mystery of the mirror i always get confused about how mirrors work and (laughs) and i was i had talked myself into no the phone she's holding in her hands her left hand and there's no ring there no peter you big dummy that's not how mirrors work and the hand on her knee is actually her left hand so i had to actually go recreate the photo in a bathroom in my house just to prove this out to myself uh and uh so uh there yeah you that's go. that's totally the cover of the pod now yes i've be. supplied <laughs> i've supplied buzz the photo that i produced for this so uh yeah. that's the kind of thing uh the us this yeah. us here at third degree are willing to do for you it's quality research right there free podcasts that you get for but, nothing right are you uh, sure you didn't make that on mid journey <laughs> I should have made it on mid journey. I didn't even think about that. Uh, yeah. The other thing I will announce is uh, because um, this this obviously got nominated for uh, its addition to the list. Now, if you're not familiar with quote unquote the list, dear pod listener, this is a blog posting we put together back during the pandemic, right? Buzz 2020 is when it started, right? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, it was because of the pandemic and the and the crazy stories that were coming out of the pandemic that we all kind of yeah. started to think about, the you know Cheetos what? The Cheetos thing. The Cheetos story. That's what it was. We were like, you know, 
If you guys, if you just go year by year in this club's history, dating back to 1996, what kind of like annual collection of just insanity of things that have happened to and this club and things this club has done to itself? And it turned out there is at least one, if not multiple things, every year. Mm. Um, and we, we, it's been a long-standing post on Buzz's blog, ThirdDegree.net. It's called the, is it called the Curious History of yep. FC Dallas Burn? I think is something like that. Yep. We've never really come up for a good name for it. Um, That's a good and name. when I went to go add this for 2023, it dawned on me we never updated uh, 2022. So the list now is up to date through this year, including this particular story as we know it to this moment. We'll update it as details uh, develop. Uh, but uh, you should go check that out if you've never read it. It's, I think it's very entertaining. Um, I don't know how, uh, especially if you're somebody new to the team and you don't know all the history and all the crazy stories that have happened, uh, you know, prior to like 2010 or something like that. It's, it's a pretty remarkable run of misfortune. It's been a loony journey. And that document is all the evidence you need of that. Yes. Uh, so there you go. And I also want to uh, put a big thanks out to those of you in the discord who helped me sort out uh, the final numbers on the defunct 1% program because last year was the year that we unofficially off the record on background was finally admitted to had been sunsetted uh, very quietly without notifying anybody officially. So we've uh, added it as a 2022 um, edition. All right. Uh, next up on the list, written in red crayon, uh, hmm. would be, let's see, no training report because Buzz, remember everybody, you're supposed to email <laughs> Gina and remind her, <laughs> alert her to the fact that Buzz deserves special bonus favors. <laughs> For not uh, training, yeah. Right. We've talked about hosting the Timbers. <laughs> yeah. Look, Looky, looky, everybody. North Texas played and won a game to start off their uh, MLS Next Pro season. They did against LAFC two, LAFC 2, which took place in Fullerton, which is hysterical if you know anything about the FC, the way LAFC conducts their business. Um, the opposite of, these, of the senior team game in the sense that LAFC um, went down a man and tried to rally uh, in uh, North Texas SC 1. The big takeaway from that game is two takeaways I think are important. The smaller one is a, a young man named Diego Garcia, who's signed, he's 16 years old, signed from El Paso Locomotive, looked pretty bright, I have to say, in his first impression, uh, considering he's 16 years old. Uh, the second, the bigger takeaway is that because Antonio Carrera was with the USU 20s, uh, Nolan's with the US 19s, but that wasn't impactful for this particular story. Antonio Carrera's gone. So my dude, Julian Eyestone, started in net. And was the man of the match with a PK save and a couple other really nice saves. Uh, and it's just what a luxury this club has that they have him and Carrera like a year, two years apart. The kid's going to be going to Duke this fall unless something different happens. Uh, and I'm, it's just unbelievable how big he is and how talented he is. A guy six six and a half to be as athletic as he is and he has a mentality and the soccer smarts and everything. The guy's going to be an absolute superstar in goal. And uh, can we officially give him a nickname? I thought I thought of one that I think is regionally. You can try it out and see how it goes. I think we should dub him the Live Oak. The Live Oak because <laughs> he's a tree. Yes. He's an absolute tree of a human being. <laughs> he is. He's got a big reach. It's funny when you see him standing in front of a goal, he just like reaches up like way over the goal with his arms and he's almost like pole to pole. It's just ridiculous. 
yes. how big he is. Um, and he's only nine years old. That's the most amazing <laughs> part. Nine, nine is, he's older than nine, but... Uh, <laughs> Very funny. Well, uh, I, I, yep, people go ahead, people got caught off guard by the idea that he was going to Duke this year because he's actually only a junior in high school. He, he's, he's only 16. He'll be 17 in, next month. So he, but he's graduating because he took a bunch of extra classes, finished up all his work early, reclassified, they call it. And so he's going to Duke a year early. So that way, like he'll turn, he'll come out of Duke this fall and he'll be turning 18 in April of next year. So that's when people can start, European clubs could look at him for perhaps signing him to a, what's called a pre-contract basically. So if Dallas doesn't take care of business this summer and lets him go to Duke, then the bidding is going to be on come January next year uh, for this kid because believe me, there's lots of European teams watching him already. I bet. Uh, hopefully, they can get him. You know, there's a balance here that has to happen between Carrera being under contract and Jimmy Maurer, still a pretty good player and a big part of the locker room here. You know, I think probably at the end of this year, it'll be time for if Carrera is not going to be the number two, then maybe it's time for him to go start in the USL championship, maybe. And that kind of open up some spots. So management of these young keepers, even though, you know, a keeper's not going to be your guy until he's like 24, 25, probably, you still have to figure out how to maintain them and build them from now until then. And Drew Keyshawn's an amazing goalkeeper coach. You know, you got to have a plan. It's not just money. It's PT, it's plans, it's training, the right environments, all that kind of stuff. All matters to these kids and their people, their families and their agents now. It's all, you know, huge. So. Uh, hey, real quick about the LAFC game. Uh, real quick kit talk. I Did we know Dallas had white shorts this season? Yes, we knew yeah. that was we did? Uh, possible. The, the press release on the, on the Dallas white kit says the preferred color of short is black but did but they, they ever show one. us what had we seen the white shorts we'd not seen it we knew they had them oh okay yeah. all right i didn't know they i, they mentioned I, I it. okay you know i'm a visual guy if yeah. you didn't show them to me i don't think they exist until they show up well, they're they on the now. Game. Yeah. all right uh very good and by the way speaking of kit buzz what uh what glory glory uh is this uh tornado kit thing shirt that you've thrown in our whatsapp group yeah if you if you listen to the uh soccer 90 ad at the beginning of the show or the one later tonight that is a brand new tornado jersey <gasps> that is being launched by soccer 90 tonight as we record we're getting the chance to sort of let people know about it it'll be in the stores by the time you're hearing this podcast i, I someone i know me may have already bought one just <sighs> saying so it's pretty it's a white shirt with blue trim and on the hem of the sleeve and the collar it says it has the tornado uh, word mark and it has the number 67, 67. which uh, is that changeable or is that just a no it, that's the 1967 all... launch of the Dallas Tornado right okay well I knew that was what it was referenced to I just didn't yeah. know if you could get it in whatever number you wanted that's fantastic how yeah. much are they do we know uh, I think it was a base 60 bucks I don't know I uh, use my I use the code third degree and I got 20% off all right yeah, so ring up my buddy Andrew. It's pretty nice, right? Hey, buddy. Yeah. What's going on? Can I yeah. mow your yard for you? <laughs> for a shirt? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. We didn't have anything else listed on the sheet here. I did want it real quick. I got one I, more. Oh, but go okay. ahead. Well, I was gonna. I was just gonna mention real quickly. Um, I just. I hope everybody takes a moment to realize and recognize and enjoy the fact that when your national team plays two games of meaningful note and in that process scores, I don't know, however many goals it was, eight goals or whatever it was over the course of the two games, if you just take a moment and account for how many of the actual goals and assists 
were uh, the byproduct of a, 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 a player that as some way, shape, or form had a relationship with this club, I think you should take a moment to take great pride in that because I think that's just damn cool. I went one further and I tried to make a all FC Dallas Academy product 11, like a legitimate, like right this, this minute. This was great. 11. And I think it's pretty good. And I want, I no, wanted to Buzz, keep, it's great. Yeah. I wanted to keep the four, three, three that the team currently plays because I tried to make it legitimate. Now I'm not, again, let's not go crazy. I'm not suggesting they do this. It's just an exercise for fun. So striker Ricardo Pepe. And then I put Jesus and Zendejas on the wings because after them, it's Dante Sealy and nothing. Um, the two linking eights are Weston and I went with Paxton because of his experience, but you could go with Chris Kappas or Tanner Tessman. Yeah. The holding mid is Kellen Acosta because he just came out of the world cup doing that very thing. Left gap back is Jogo, Jonathan uh, Gomez, who's a superstar on the rise center back, Chris Richards. And again, I went with Tanner Tessman there because of my dream of Tanner Tessman center back thing, but I blew that. That should be Reggie Cannon. So it should have been because you can look at uh, like Che, Tompkinson, Carrera, Moises Hernandez, Nolan Norris. There's lots of guys there that are like, Ugh. but and then I even mentioned that Reggie's been playing right center back at, at at his club, and then totally didn't put him in at the other center back. So that's dumb on my part. And then I have Brian Reynolds at right back, and you could have picked Shock Moore or Reggie there instead if you want. Keeper's a problem. Jesse Gonzalez is who it should be, but it's not. So really, you're stuck with Antonio Carrera or Istone or Richard Sanchez. And so I picked Carrera just because he's at least at U20 at this point. But, you know, it's a so much fun exercise. The defense is a little young and very offensive, but uh, it was a ton of fun to come up with that thing. And if you look at it, it really is like a legitimate, you could run that out in CONCACAF and compete. I mean, you're not going to win the Gold Cup or whatever, but, you know, every guy in there has got caps, you know, uh, sometimes multiple. Some of them are more future than now, but – you know, it's super, super exciting to be able to just even potentially well, do that. It's just nuts. Well, okay. Of the twenty-nine MLS teams, how many other how many other MLS teams could put a squad together that could compete against that team? I don't know. If you if you if you if you make it about the absolute like current, because that was the thing, is it's not an all timer. It's like today. Well, could you do this? Right. And it's only Academy products. So it doesn't even have like the Funes Mori brothers or it doesn't even have like Zimmerman or guys that have come through here. It's only Academy products. And to be able to actually field an 11 and pretty much a two deep, to be honest with you, that's just insane. It's nuts what yeah, this Academy's done. I don't think there is another MLS club that could put together a legit 11. Philly is the closest, maybe, but I, I'd have to do their thing to figure it out. But it's yeah. like, you know, mm. in a couple of years, there might be a couple more that can do it. But right now, it's like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, you guys uh, that listen to the pod should be uh, spreading that all over social media, sharing it with everybody and all your friends of other clubs, uh, especially ones in Texas that yep. are struggling at the For moment. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, anything else? Yeah, it, it came to the attention late last night that um, if you're into youth soccer and the academy stuff, you probably will care oh, about yes. this. Oh, yes, youth soccer drama moment. Yeah, Solar SC is apparently, now they have not made an official announcement, but apparently they're leaving MLS next, uh, which is, that's incredible news if it happens. I don't know whether it's incredible good or incredible bad, but it's incredible. It's really noteworthy because they are by far the second best team in Dallas and DFW. They are legitimately competitive with most MLS sides in terms of MLS Next. They're better than almost all the non-MLS Next teams. 
and basically they're going to go ECL, ECNL only. Um, I think it's important to understand that at solar, the girl side is probably the best in the nation, certainly the best in Texas by a long shot. You know, the girl side holds a lot of power, and so ECNL holds a lot of power. And it's going to be absolutely fascinating what happens over the next year or two to the boys' side of solar and or to the landscape of ECNL and MLS Next in general, because this is kind of a bell cow note here that solar's leaving, because this is a big one. Because Texans um, doesn't participate in MLS Next, do they? No, they do not. They got out from like when when they when they left the DA the Developmental Academy folded from U.S. Soccer Control and went to MLS Control. There was a bunch of teams that said no thanks, and Texans <laughs> was one of them that did that. So Solar is the only other Dallas team that plays in MLS Next. All the rest of them are in ECNL. So you know, they're FC Dallas can be left playing. Uh, mostly MLS pro teams and not pro teams, MLS next teams and, and traveling more. Now, the thing is, is that most academies in MLS, the MLS teams have given up U19s anyway, and that none of them, almost none of them have U16s. So those two brackets were already hardly any MLS teams left. Because uh, And so well, the long-term future of this whole thing is still up in the air. I don't think there's anywhere near the final form of what youth soccer is going to look like. These kind of seismic things like solar leaving show you that there's issues underneath this whole structure. It's not solid. It's shifting. And so if you're in that business or if you care about these things with the Academy and the development of professionals, I can't help but think that this isn't going to leave Dallas is the only real pathway to the pro game in Dallas. FC Dallas is. So maybe that means some of the best solar guys will already start jumping, you know, and wanting to come to Dallas Maybe it doesn't. I don't. I don't know. But I can't imagine if you think you're going to be a pro, why would you stay there now? If you're not going to, you know, they didn't have a pro pathway before, but at least you were competing against the other clubs that had pro pathways, and now you're not. ECNL is more about college soccer than it is pro soccer, so it's kind of weird. You know, I can't. I can't speak for them for why they did it. Apparently, they had some kind of vote maybe and have chosen to leave. It's really a head scratcher. I'm sure they'll tell you that it's a good reason for it, but. Anyway. This is the moment where angry British dude just shakes his head in disgust over the American soccer system. Yeah. I mean, well, it's not a lot different to our system, really. Really? Is it not? No, not particularly. No. You know, you get your professional clubs, you get have your academies or schools of excellence, you have your youth-focused clubs or, you know, lower down the, the totem pole in the adult game pay to play does exist i don't know you know everyone makes out that it's an american exclusive thing it absolutely is not um it is more expensive here though um you know it's it happens you know you, you if it's if it's related to money you you'd hope that they do take the drop instead of uh trying to go on in in mls next and uh finding themselves shit yeah. out of luck one day yeah yeah, you know, when Texans withdrew from MLS Next, I, in my opinion, they have gotten worse as a collective because they no longer can hold on to the guys that are of a pro kind of distinction. My anticipation is that the same thing will happen with Solar. And that, so two years from now, the landscape in Dallas is going to change. Will some other team, DKSC, BVB, I don't know, somebody, Will, will somebody take a slot that, that they get offered by MLS next? Will somebody else move to the top of the everybody but FC Dallas pile because they're going to take a shot and jump in there and maybe be able to get some of these guys that are 
Because, you know, every year Dallas recruits and then lets guys go and cuts down. And some of those guys are pretty damn good and yet and still want to have a chance to try and move into MLS next and profess to the but pro what is But what is the advantage to a Solar or any club going into MLS next if they can't provide a path to the pros for those kids? Well, it depends on where you live and what the level is around you and where the well, colleges just, are looking. Just Dallas, you know, if you're, yeah. if, if you're, if, I mean, I think I understand why solar does this is because it's like, the, because if they're going to lose kids to FC Dallas, because those kids want to end up playing in MLS, then what, then why the hassle of playing in MLS next? Why just not go play in ECNL? Because now you're going to be able to put teams together that are less likely to end up losing kids to FC Dallas. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to make money, but if you're trying to be the best club you can be, you know, and have the best players you can have, you're not, I think, you're now not going to get those guys that are you're of the caliber of your Bailey Sparks or your Blaine Fairies, you know, your guys like Paxson who jumped to FC Dallas. He came from Texans, just yeah. example. You know, Stone, I think, was at Solar for a couple of minutes. You know, Dallas just recruited three guys from their U-17 team. You know, so it's like maybe you're tired of having guys leave, and so you'll just be like, we'll just play UCNL, maybe. Yeah, that's Again, yeah. I can't speak for them. You know, I think, you know, I honestly think that, like, most of the really high-level, big-time Division One programs are all recruiting out of MLS Next and not UCNL. You know, I, I can look at the clubs out here in Dallas, and there's not a whole lot of, like, superstar – college programs digging into those ECNL teams. They're a little bit, but not it's the most next level teams that are getting all the love. As far as I know, granted, I'm not a college recruiting expert, but that's what I see happening. Yeah. You know, I mean the kids that are the kids from solar and FC Dallas that go to SMU are almost always these MLS next guys. Every once in a while you get a guy from some other town, like a kid came out of Austin from Lone Star. I think it's last year went to SMU, but you know, most of them are, um, it's almost next level teams, you know, and, and what used to be Austin Lone Star, for example, just got bogarted by Austin FC. So like, that's only, that's what happened to that club. So, you know, it's a weird landscape, man. I don't envy the guys well, who work in it. It's tough. Well, everybody's, everybody's scrambling to try to position yeah. themselves for the, you know, for 2026. Like everybody wants to have their S together, uh, to capitalize on when that happens and when that, you know, celestial event occurs, and I just think it's going to get messier before it gets better, unfortunately. Yeah. It could also just be, uh, you know, if, if they're kind of taking their position, okay, the the best male players are going to go to FC Dallas regardless. And they are probably the best, uh, the best women's development path right now in the country. Uh, just build on that. Yeah, put all your resources into that. Get a WPSL team. Build up to or a USLY. Uh, build up to uh, yeah. Um, you know, a bid for an NWSL team, and and be the you know the women's club in in DFW in yeah. North Texas. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, that would be that would be fantastic. Because you know, I mean, Sting's not where they were. Uh, Texans even before they left MLS Next were you know a shadow of themselves. There's there's not really a, a whole lot going on, so it's you know it's there for the taking. Yes, uh, the crazy world of youth academy yeah. soccer. It's, it's nutty. It is nutty. Dallas Cup starts this particular weekend. Buzz, you're doing a ton of coverage of that, I assume, sir. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm a long way through my little club roster things that I do for each of the teams. I've got 
maybe like U15s and down left non-academy. I just did the two GA Cup ones today. Yeah. Bizarrely, there's like seven names on the U17 roster for the GA Cup that I've never seen or heard of before today. For like, Dallas is, for or Dallas. just in general? Oh, really? For Dallas. They, there's like five. There's a couple of dudes that are hurt, and then there's some guys that are like these in-between tweener kind of guys that bounce back and forth between ECNL and SC Dallas and the academy. Those guys are missing along with the injured guys. And there's all seven names I've never heard of, whether they're guest players or extended trialists or, got, or guys that have just been added to the roster at the last second. I had somebody tell me that last week the U-17 team, the FC Dallas U-17 team, had 13 trialists alone last week. Wow. Well, part of the reason that happens at the U-17 team is because almost all the other MLS teams got rid of their 19 team. And Dallas is one of the few ones left that has a U-19 team. So they get all these U-17s that are that want to come and try out so that they can come to Dallas for the 19s next fall, which is like you know five months from now or whatever. So... It's a mixture of all those. So it's really aggressive at the U17 level for Dallas because everybody wants to come here because of that. But it just underscores what happened last summer when Dallas went really crazy with recruiting. They're doing it again, man. They've become really aggressive about turning over the teams. If you're not pushing to the top level, man, they're going to get go find somebody else. So which well, is good. That's a good thing. Uh, 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 we will always encourage you, anybody relatively new to listening to this pod or new to the area or have never been to a Dallas Cup game, it is worth taking some time off from work during the week. Yes. You don't even have to spend any money. Go to MoneyGram. Go to Richland College. Go out to the fields just north of the stadium. Whatever is near you, uh, you can look it up at DallasCup.org uh, and see the schedule. Go, go watch teams from other countries play. It's so much worth your time. The Supergroup is amazing yeah the super group's amazing but sometimes it's fun to go watch a u14 game or a or a u16 game and and, and from a, of a team from japan or brazil and just uh, it's the best i'm just just the farting best and and dallas is so lucky to have uh this thing happen every year and this is really the first time it's really back in full blossom since the pandemic so uh 100 worth yo time if you want to go watch a low-level team, I'm, uh, go watch the FC Dallas U13 team. I'm trying to dial up the tweet. I can't get to it fast enough. But I added up their record, and I think they're 17-0-1. <laughs> no losses in one tie. And they've outscored their opponents by, like, again, I don't have the tweet in front of me, like 80-13 to 13 or something. It's like they are absolutely a juggernaut. It, it's the FC Dallas U13? U13 team. Yeah. So is this the team you've been talking about kind of quietly for a while with all the little – Super studs on it. Yeah, that's the one where people have been telling me, like, people tell me, like, hey, go watch this kid, go watch that kid. And that team, it's just like everyone that talks about it talks about how incredible it is. It's just this confluence of talent, you know, where Dallas has had a couple of years with a little light here and there, and they've gone out and done these heavy recruiting. Not that one they haven't because it's just an absolutely ridiculous level of talent in that little team. Now, again, they're 12, but – when you're talking about pro scouting, man, these guys start building profiles on these kids when they're eight, nine, 10, 11. By the time they were the U13s, they already have a bunch of those kids like, these guys are going to be pros. We know. You know, it's just, it's ridiculous, ridiculous. Now, stuff can derail anybody. They're not, nobody's a lock, but, you know, when you're 17, 0 and 1 and outscoring your opponents by like an 80 to whatever kind of clip, that's ridiculous. That <laughs> so, is. So go All watch right. that team play. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good one. All right, very good. Uh, Buzz, would you like me to read the chat GTP story? Sure, go ahead. Okay, here we go. Shh, everybody, 
very quietly. This was written by an AI program. <clears throat> it was a warm night in April in 2023 when rumors about Sebastian Legette's infidelity hit the internet. Becky G fans were quick to take to social media to express their outrage and demand justice. As rumors spread like wildfire, Becky G fans grew angrier and more restless. They were convinced that Legette had betrayed their beloved queen and they wanted him to pay. As the days went by, as rumors intensified, and the evidence against Legette began to pile up, he failed to show up for FC Dallas games, citing personal reasons. And Becky G was spotted in public without her engagement ring. The fans knew that something was amiss, and they were determined to get to the bottom of it. On the night of the incident, a mob of Becky G fans, known as Beasters, stormed Toyota Stadium, the home of FC Dallas. They were angry, they were desperate, and they were out for blood. They were overpowered by they overpowered security and demanded to find and punish Legette, who was nowhere to be found. And in their rage, the fans destroyed the stadium, setting fire to the stands and tearing down the goals. The stadium was left in ruins, a smoldering heap of rubble and ashes but as fate would have it this act of destruction would ultimately lead to the birth of something incredible in the years that followed the city poured its resources into rebuilding the stadium they spared no expense creating a state-of-the-art facility that was the envy of the world it had a retractable roof a safe standing section and a laser light show that would put even the biggest rock concert to shame and as the fans flocked back to the new stadium, marveling at its beauty and grandeur, they couldn't help but feel a sense of irony. The very thing that had destroyed had given birth to something even greater. And in a way, they were part of its legacy, a testament to the power of passion and the unyielding spirit of soccer fans everywhere. I like the sound of a new stadium. That sounds good. <laughs> Just... The, the, the blossom of something beautiful out of the yeah. ruins. Out of the ruins of yes. the smoldering wreckage of Toyota Stadium. Well, hopefully it doesn't come No, out. of Becky G and uh, Legette's oh. uh, battle. That's that's the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Leading to the wreck of the stadium. <sighs> we live in a world, a weird world, man. We do live in a very weird time. If uh, if we had if, imagine us having this like uh, uh, Back to the Future conversation in tw in the year nineteen ninety eight, imagine in twenty five years, a player is dating a superstar singer <laughs> and cheats on her, allegedly does or whatever. Yeah, I want to go back to that. like the nineteen ninety six version of me that had just recently, like a year before that, gotten email for the first time and explain <laughs> what chat AI was. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the ridiculous part. That is so yeah. stupid. All right. Well, Dan, anything else you'd like to chat about this evening or have we uh sucked up too much of your time for the night? Uh you know what this is this has been magical. Uh I think it's been perfect as it's been. All right. Very good. Thank you, sir. Buzz, as always, thank you uh, very much. And uh, I hope you enjoy your Dallas Cup uh, experience starting oh, on Sunday. I'm sure I will. It's going to be fantastic. And we also launched our new merch store. So everybody uh, go out there and check out the new swag. So have you gotten any of it yet? Yeah, it's really nicely well done, actually. Yeah, it's high quality, quality stuff. Is, yeah. And this is a local company you're working with? No, it's and it's a national company, but they're tailored to, to um, creators. So it's good customer service and 
and the the margins are better and the quality is better it's really well done i love to hear that and i like the fact that uh you can add the term creator to your business cards yeah (laughs) that's true i can love it third degree the podcast has been brought to you by soccer90.com check out all the latest fc dallas north texas sc and u.s national team gear and this week grab that sweet sweet dallas tornado jersey that we talked about on the broadcast it's a white base with a powder blue trim and a 67 on the front this is a classic. It's really good. Soccer 90's Dallas Tornado Collection. Use code third degree for 20% off on your tar order, including that jersey. Some exclusions apply, but not that jersey. Go get it, Tornado. It's awesome. All right. Well, uh, Dallas, Portland, 730 Saturday night. Uh, let's go get the win. Go burn. And thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan, for listening. We will speak to you next week on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. This episode was recorded entirely by AI. Third degree, the third degree nerd podcast. Third degree, the third degree nerd podcast. Third degree, the third degree nerd podcast. Third degree, the third degree nerd podcast.